everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Techspansive. I am Sean Duberback from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research. It's time for our annual looking back, looking forward episode of Techspansive. We're excited to uh, take you on a journey through what we saw in 2020, what we thought was meaningful, and then looking forward. Uh, kicking things off, we'd like to also thank everybody who's joined the podcast. We saw our stats in review, speaking of 2020 in review, and we saw that uh, streams were up 70% this year. Followers were up 33%. So we're grateful for all the listeners out there who have joined the podcast, and we look forward to continuing to bring you great content in 2021. Uh, so let's kick things off. Ross, clearly the big story in 2020 was this uh, pandemic that engulfed the world and yep. engulfed the tech industry. What's your big takeaways from uh, the pandemic and tech in 2020? Well, I, I think it definitely provided a, uh, a living laboratory uh, to test a, a whole number of hypotheses about how people work, how people use technology, uh, of course, many of the tech stocks were, uh, many, many of the tech companies' businesses acted uh, counter to what we saw in so many other uh, areas of the economy. You, you might say that, you know, tra the, the loss in, in industries like, like travel and entertainment uh, were really uh, tech's gain. Uh, people turned to streaming services for entertainment. They turned to um, they, they turn to, you know, laptops and Chromebooks uh, for, for education and for staying in touch with colleagues. They embraced, uh, ab above all, apps such as uh, Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Slack. Uh, the, the discussion that we had recently about Salesforce uh, purchasing Slack uh, is, is kind of the, to my mind, uh, you know, great punctuation mark uh, for, for 2020, a great, uh, you know, a, a great metaphor for uh, what, what we've seen uh, in terms of the company's rising value in the marketplace uh, and what we're going to see in 2021 uh, as things become more integrated uh, with, um, you know, with, with the way people worked prior to the pandemic. But while in general, I tend to be more toward the things will tend to go back to the way they were school of, of thought as opposed to things will change forever. Uh, I certainly think that a lot of companies learned a lot about telecommuting and uh, how it can work uh, and how effective it can be. Uh, and a lot of those changes will, will stay in place. Uh, certainly in 2021 as, as uh, the vaccine is distributed, but even long thereafter. I think it's interesting that we, you know, we see the companies that uh, were what I'll call early tech adopters, the service businesses that were early tech adopters, hospitality, travel, you know, hotels and, and airlines. I, I would say they were increasingly tech forward. They had apps, they had abilities to, you know, check in online or check in through right. the app, multiple ways of accessing their services. Obviously, those areas of the economy were, were decimated uh, by the pandemic, which is also uh, one of the ways that the, the 2020 recession is unique. It, historically, 
service businesses do pretty well. They, they're mm-hmm. resilient mm-hmm. Uh, somewhat to recessions. And it's typically like the durable economy, the durable goods space that's hard hit. Uh, that ha- has been the kind of the opposite. This recession, we see, see strong demand for all tech products and, uh, and, and durable goods generally the manufacturing sectors recovered pretty well and the service sector continues to be be hard hit but you know it's the service industry that that was able to be somewhat resilient to the pandemic that really had to accelerate their uh, adoption of technology it was grocery stores it was restaurants many of whom had been laggards when it comes to em- embracing some of the what I'll call consumer facing technologies, at least, uh, really had to accelerate that, that adoption. So you saw restaurants from, you know, from the ground up trying to build entirely new services and, and offerings that fit into what the, you know, the delivery apps were, were catering to. And, and, um, so I think that, you know, that was kind of one of the, the interesting things. I think your, your point on, everyone flocking to services like zoom you know the the growth rates that we saw for those services is just Off the ast- charts. yeah sure. astronomical right and um and i think that's going to really create some interesting dynamics in 2021 we saw all of their stocks take a, a little bit of a hit when we got the first news around the vaccines mm. so there is this feeling at least in the marketplace that People are going to go back to work and they're going to be relying less on some of these services. They'll go back to seeing their family in person rather than Zooming their family virtually. And so there'll be less demand, fewer users. And, and so the, the economics will start to become more difficult for those companies. And I think at the same time, they, they've all got very rich stock. And uh, I think they're going to look to utilize that in 2021 so that they themselves can pivot uh, coming out of the pandemic. So I think there's going to be some really interesting moves by some of these companies as they look to take their, their, uh, their paper wealth and redeploy it in, you know, in other places. Yeah, sure. We're, we're already seeing rumors of uh, Zoom getting into email and calendar and, and all these other uh, businesses. I, I would say that in terms of a lot of the social elements of these applications, now, obviously, their customer acquisition plays, their promotional uh, things that Zoom has done. Uh, these are not direct revenue generators, of course, uh, for the company. And we saw Zoom offer promotional extended free minutes during Thanksgiving and 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 uh, the Christmas holiday season. So uh, I would say that in terms of more social in-person gatherings. And again, it's gonna take months, uh, probably looking second half of 21 for this to have a material impact. Uh, It's really, I I don't think that's gonna hurt them so much. Now on the enterprise side, as long as you have uh, one or two people in a work group working remotely, you still need these tools. Um, So so I, I tend to think that, you know, they'll, They'll, they'll be able to navigate that pretty well, at least uh, for the rest of 2021. And it's just been shocking to see how much focus Microsoft has put on Teams. Uh, I have called it in some ways the new Windows. You know, they're, they're turning it into a platform. They're putting rapid development environments into it. You know, they're integrating with everything under the sun. Uh, it's, just been, uh, it's just been crazy. So 
uh, it, it has really, and I, I know we discussed this in 2020, really become the hub of their collaboration efforts. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see where, where they take that in 2021. Well, and obviously we saw Slack get purchased. So yep. uh, you, you have seen. Well, it's, it's, yes, it's already had competitive impact. Sure. Right. right. Yes. And you are, I think to your point, seeing these companies try to expand their services from within the app and, and most likely will look to expand beyond the app too. So we'll see if we end up with a AOL Time Warner type uh, you know, acquisition where it's so only loosely uh, in the same space or yeah, if we'll see them kind of continue to build out those services around productivity especially in, in the, you know, in the workplace. Uh, other pandemic related trends that we saw in, in 2020 or that we think will impact 2021 Ross, I think uh, clearly one area that we saw a lot of development in this year was with, um, with healthcare and going, you know, virtual healthcare. We saw Amazon really making a push in a number of areas around healthcare. Uh, I, I've said it before in the podcast, and I'll, I'll say it again, that Apple and, and Amazon will definitely be healthcare providers and major players in the years to come. Uh, they have grown to be very big, and so they'll need to move into other services in order to continue to, to grow that, that revenue, and they need to move into big markets, and healthcare is a big market. We, yeah, we, saw- we haven't, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we, we, we saw Amazon launch its pharmacy unit, Amazon Pharmacy. We saw um, a, you know, a number of, of other developments from Amazon as they continue to, to push in, in this way. Uh, obviously, Apple's big play this year was around entertainment services broadly and as they've uh, released those. But I think healthcare isn't was- far behind. Yeah, they, they haven't really made a big healthcare play. I mean, other than some collaborations with research universities and uh, uh, using the Apple Watch to uh, collect uh, data for certain scientific research uh, with the permission of, of wearers who are opting into the study, of course. Uh, but, um, but their big, I guess, health-related play this year was, was Fitness Plus, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of fascinating in some way, in at least one way, in that it was, uh, in some ways, uh, the first post-smartphone service uh, aimed at scale because it does not uh, center on or even rely on uh, the, the iPhone. Uh, the iPhone, you know, is, is sort of what hosts the central interface to, uh, to Apple Health, you know, which is where you see all your metrics, but, uh, but it's really the watch that is the cog uh, that, that has the whole ecosystem going. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, you know, you, you get your uh, Fitness Plus programming on any, really any screen, um, you know, iPad, Apple TV, whatever, uh, but um, but the key to it is really monitoring everything through the sensor data of of the Apple Watch. Um, uh, so I thought I thought that was in some ways uh, a milestone for for wearables. Uh, for Amazon, I would agree. Uh, pharmacy was definitely their boldest uh, healthcare related move. We haven't speaking of both of them actually. Uh, I believe they were partners in some kind of healthcare effort 
uh, announced last year. Uh, we really haven't heard much more about that uh, in 2020. You know, was may have all been overshadowed by other things. Uh, but Amazon was definitely uh, in the spotlight uh, uniquely, I think, among big tech companies for a lot of its worker safety uh, initiatives. You know, you've got these large environments where there was a lot of uh, demand to get products to customers. Uh, you know, in many cases, Amazon was their only lifeline or source for, for certain products. Uh, you know, we've, we've also seen that pick up in the holiday uh, where customers have been constrained, particularly in terms of what stores they might be able to visit or how long they may be able to go there. Uh, so, um, so, you know, th this was an area where, uh, you know, the company really had an opportunity to put in place, you know, different kinds of worker safety initiatives and, and show different ways that they can leverage data uh, to implement things that maintain social distancing um, and, you know, make it a safer environment uh, for, for their work group. Yeah, to your point about the pandemic really you know, battle testing some of the, the infrastructure of these companies and, and the DNA of these companies, uh, both within tech and, and outside of tech, uh, the, the pandemic really sh uh, shone a light on the strength of Amazon's distribution network that mm -hmm. they, they built that out. Certainly, it wasn't without some controversies, especially in the, those warehouse settings, and they they have taken uh, a, a lot of questions this year about th those those environments and and the workers, especially in those environments. But we see that over you know the last really the last decade, Amazon has been building out its own transportation network, and we covered it on the podcast at the end of yep. 2019 that they were severing ties with FedEx and FedEx severing ties with them, uh, driven primarily by the fact that Amazon had built out its its uh, own distribution network of, of drivers and cars and planes and everything else you need to get packages from one place to the next. And now they're ubiquitous. You know, you see them just as often as UPS trucks or... Yeah. In fact, trucks. I was drove to New York a, a week or two ago and uh, on the drive up, saw tons of Amazon trucks, you know, on, on the vans, freeway yeah. the blue vans. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then the blue vans throughout the, you know, the neighborhood. So, but all, all of that really came to fruition in 2020 in light of the pandemic, when supply chains were significantly disrupted around the globe, starting with China and Amazon seemed to, uh, you know, weather that pretty well, uh, being able to still get packages to to consumers. And so now you see a lot of companies, uh, other retailers really trying to to pick up their distribution. Uh, right. Ability. We talked about ShopRunner a few weeks ago. And, yep. Uh, FedEx buying them, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so just another example of, uh, of how the pandemic has disrupted things. Uh, you know, the other big story that we that we saw in uh, 2020, which is uh, good segue. Yeah, the, yeah. the, uh, the opposite of uh, <laughs> our reliance on tech is our, our concern about uh, big tech and a, a backlash uh, against big tech, culminating in a number of antitrust filings at the end of the year. Uh, certainly more to come. We saw them both in Europe and here in, in the U.S., uh, and um, 
so you know it's it's a juxtaposition against this reliance on tech and this and this gratefulness really for tech that's enabled us to continue to do some things in a new environment at the same time this concern of of tech getting too big and too controlling and and using their monopoly powers at the cost of uh, consumer welfare yeah these uh you know this was of course uh these companies were held up as paragons of American success stories for uh, you know decades, uh, and I think that some of the backlash uh, relates to the idea that uh, you know a lot of uh, companies have a, a lot of a lot of uh, people across the country don't feel that they have been able to to share uh, in in that experience. Um, uh, and so, um, you know, other than contributing uh, to their data uh, with with their actions uh, online and through apps, so um, so yes, as you noted, uh, a, n- a number of lawsuits in in the space, uh, and uh, and and a number of com- companies uh, forming a, a coalition for app fairness uh, that uh, are railed against the. Law, you know, practices that Apple uh, has put in place for its App Store, uh, led by Epic Games. That was, uh, you know, they've certainly been the most aggressive, and they they made a you know a, a very well done parody uh, of the Apple 1984 commercial. Uh, but that group just continues to grow, uh, and it recently attracted um, several prominent media companies. Um, and uh, I believe there's just going to be mounting pressure uh, from from these guys in. In 2021, I, I would not be surprised at all to see some of uh, uh, Apple's uh, big ecosystem rivals joining in. Uh, Facebook really seems on the verge of of joining, uh, as as does Microsoft. Well, and Facebook would like uh, attention on anyone but themselves, and <laughs> they got a lot more attention this year uh, than they they would have liked. Really, going back to misinformation uh, around. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matters, COVID-19, presidential elections, all, all of those things uh, of, of concern for the community more broadly. And, and most of that concern pointed directly at Facebook or one of its properties, Instagram. Uh, that, that, that said, you know, I know that we talk uh, talk about a lot of criticism of, of Facebook on the podcast, but I would have to say that in general, social media did a better job of controlling disinformation uh, this election than it did, you know, four years ago. Of course, there was still a ton of it to be found if, if you know, you you were looking for it. Uh, but and you know, back in 2016, it, it kind of caught these guys by surprise. Uh, but um, you know, whether through more behind-the-scenes things or some of the more uh, prominent content labels that. Uh, Twitter, for example, uh, implemented this year. Uh, it, it definitely helped tame the situation somewhat. Certainly not eliminate it, but but certainly some progress. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of questions and criticisms, even of those reform measures. But you saw Facebook create uh, new rules around misleading posts. You saw them uh, start the oversight board this year. So uh, now there's a lot of you know questions of, of how um, successful some of those procedures and programs will be. Uh, 
but definitely I think they're, they're trying to address it uh, head on. And to your point, Twitter labeling some of their, their posts, most notably the first one that they labeled from uh, the, the president um, in the, the shadow of the election the days following the election. So, uh, you know, a, a very big move uh, really for a platform who has a, a very big voice and and the president of the country in which it's it's domiciled is, is a pretty big deal. So uh, much more of that to come. And so I think you're going to see these companies in 2021 seeking to implement reform measures at the same time they will be battling head on uh, a number of of lawsuits, both at the federal and the you know in the state level. Um, and then to your point. Uh, companies like Apple, even if they aren't facing directly antitrust uh, reform measures for, at the federal or state level, they are going to uh, face significant backlash from their own, uh, com- you know, from the companies that uh, that live in their their developers. Yeah, the developers, yeah, developers. The, those who really feed the platform. So, uh, more to come on that. And then uh, just the final kind of big story that we saw from 2020 is the continued political war with with China, uh, especially centered around technologies. We saw a, a number of uh, kind of major moves in that space this year. Yeah, so, so this uh, tended to center primarily around uh, telecommunication equipment. Uh, Huawei really bore the brunt of, um, <clears throat> of, the, uh, of the sanctions uh, and, and prohibitions. Uh, and uh, I believe even in this latest stimulus bill, uh, there, is, um, there are provisions for telecom carriers to rip, rip and replace uh, Huawei uh, equipment. Uh, it's not used by the larger carriers in the US, but it, it is used by some smaller rural uh, carriers in the U.S. because, you know, it, it had been a, a value leader uh, in, in the segment. Uh, so, you know, not only was the U.S. Uh, successful in, or the government successful in, in moving forward uh, uh, on that front uh, and in that, uh, you know, information war, I guess, um, but, uh, but also very, very effective in convincing allies to uh, at least exclude Huawei from the core of their um, of of their uh, networks. Now, um, you know th- there is a case to be made for national security. Uh, that, you know, if if you're going to talk about a telecom network provider, but now it seems that the uh, the arguments are extending to companies that make all kinds of uh, con- consumer. Technology. Um, so uh, DJI, uh, which is a leading drone developer, was uh, recently added, I think, to to the entity list, uh, which could cause competitive challenges um, for uh, for that company. Uh, and uh, and so I I just kind of wonder where it ends um, because you know of course there are a number of major brands of all kinds of products uh, owned by. Chinese companies, uh, Lenovo laptops, uh, of course, um, uh, in Motorola phones, same company, uh, uh, you know, and, and many more are produced uh, in China. 
So um, that that for me is is something you know TCL televisions, of course, um, and and other you know Chinese companies trying to uh, break into the American market, like uh, like uh, Konka, you know, which had been a, a CES mainstay for many years, even though they they never sold here in the past. Uh, so um, so it'll be interesting to see how far this campaign goes uh, in in 2021. Well, and we also saw, you know, it wasn't just a hardware story. We also saw sure. the U.S. military ban TikTok, TikTok and right. the Senate called it a national security threat. Uh, so, uh, you know, we saw the president even pushing to have it, uh, it sold, uh, essentially. So um, it goes, you know, far and wide um, around not just hardware, but also services. Um, and, and that's, you know increasingly creating a, a bifurcated internet experience arguably it was somewhat already bifurcated in in china because of the restrictions around u.s companies like apple and, and google uh, around everything from map services to to social networks right uh, but uh, we're, we're seeing that bifurcation widen in 2020 quite significantly and and arguably it appears will continue to expand in 2021 the thing is, though, you know, it, it just doesn't scale globally. Uh, if, you know, let's say Europe pops on this bandwagon and starts banning, you know, certain uh, American products for national security in, in the way that they have banned uh, Chinese products, you know, it, it just it really starts to wear on the global trade system pretty, pretty, pretty extensively. Yeah, definitely. Well, those were some of the big uh, stories that we saw playing out in 2020. Uh, clearly, all of them had major ramifications for how we lived and worked and communicated and, and will even more so in 2021 as some of these stories continue to play out. We'll be covering all of these and, and much more in the podcast. We're looking forward to the start of season five in January. So, uh, we encourage you to tune in for more episodes of Techspansive. Again, I am uh, Sean Dubervac. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac. And I'm Ross Rubin on Twitter at Ross Rubin. Thanks as always for listening.